It's the Sleep Well, Stay Well podcast. Here we go with Malia Jacobson as your host. Hello and welcome to Sleep Well, Stay Well. I'm your host, sleep and health journalist Malia Jacobson. Thank you so much for joining me today on this cold week in November. Here in the Pacific Northwest, we had our first dip into below freezing temperatures, so it sure feels like winter. And today I am doing a question and answer podcast about reasons that your kids might not sleep well during the winter. You know, during the winter, we think about coziness, we think about hibernation, snuggling in with our loved ones, and it's this restful season where we are meant to rest up, there's more darkness. It seems like for adults, we have an easier time maybe sleeping during the winter. I know I sleep a little bit better when we're not flooded with daylight all the time like we are in the summer, but kids do not necessarily experience the same thing. I think as adults, we want to cozy in, wear our our PJs, sit around the fire, and have a nice restful winter season. Our kids do not agree, and sometimes that's a little bit perplexing. Um, Why don't kids sleep well during the winter when we are naturally inclined to be more at rest and feel more sleepy? And there's a few reasons for that. So I'm going to go into reasons why your kids may not sleep well during the winter. So the first reason that I deal with all the time and hear about all the time and work with parents on is that your children aren't sleeping well simply because they're not getting enough daylight. I've talked about this before. Light is one of the strongest uh, um, cues that regulates our biorhythms or our body's internal clock. And that tells us when we should feel sleepy and when we should get up in the morning. And this is true of adults. It is true of children as well. So while you may not notice the changes that light Um, the the fluctuating amounts of light that you get between summer and winter, or you may, I mean, it may make a big difference in your health. I know it makes a big difference in my health and my mood. Some people may not notice as much, but technically we're not even into winter yet. The calendar still says fall. So we may not have really clocked how much it is affecting us yet, but our kids are definitely sometimes a little bit more sensitive even to the the effects of light on the circadian rhythm. And so your kids might not be sleeping well, they might not be falling asleep at night, um, at bedtime specifically, because they are not getting enough daylight in the morning to cue their body's uh, production of melatonin at night. And so that will definitely be a reason that you will see your kids resist bedtime, not fall asleep as easily, Uh, Maybe your whole family is just gradually shifting their bedtimes a little bit later, sleeping in later in the morning as a result. And so that can be a reason that when you think it's time for your child to go to bed, they don't feel sleepy. So some ways to counteract this would be make sure that you are turning on a very strong light in the morning. You can use any type of light, really. Um, your, Your body will respond to indoor light. Uh, sometimes in much the same way as outdoor light. So as soon as your family gets up, don't stay in the kind of cozy cocoon, the dark um, curtains drawn uh, bedroom or living room. 
make sure that you're making your indoor spaces as bright as you can in the morning. Um, you might get some grumbles from your teenagers especially, uh, but it is important and it will just help keep everyone's body on schedule. Get outside if you can, especially with kids remote schooling. You don't have the natural rhythms during the day that would allow your body to get some exposure to natural daylight. So your child isn't standing at the bus stop. You're not walking them into school. You're not doing the things that you would do that would bring a little bit of natural sunlight into your daily routine in the morning. So try and counteract that by getting outside, taking a walk, taking a walk around the block. Um, I started this in the spring with my kids and it was a little bit of a, um, it was an ordeal to get the habit going. I definitely had to be the drill sergeant marching them out the door. Now that we're seven, eight months into remote schooling, they're the ones who are pulling me out the door if we don't have a morning walk around. And it really is just a walk around the block or two blocks. It's a really short um, little walk. I'm kind of trying to mimic, you know, the amount of time that we spend outside walking into their school building in the morning, just so we can get that little bit of movement. Um, but they feel off if they don't get it. And they are sometimes dragging me out the door when I have other things that I want to do. So once that habit is established, it really does um, help. And, it, and the kids will help maintain that um, as much as you sometimes. Um, another thing just to mention there is there are um, light boxes. Uh, they are so cheap. Um, you can look anywhere. Any big retailer will have a light box that you can turn on in the morning. Um, there are dawn lights. Um, there's one by Philips um, called the, uh, I think it is just called the, the wake up light or the dawn light. Um, if you have kids that are particularly struggling um, to fall asleep at night now that they're not getting as much daylight, uh, a morning light simulator that can begin to, it begins to get light about 30 minutes before you want your alarm to go off in the morning and then you have a bright source of light and it really only takes about 10 to 15 minutes of exposure to strong light to help your body, um, to help cure your body's internal clock so that you will feel sleepy enough to fall asleep at bedtime. So it's only 10 to 15 minutes. Dawn lights are uh, very inexpensive. I was surprised by how inexpensive they are. Um, so that's something that you can look into as well. Um, another reason your child might not be sleeping is they might be an early bird still struggling with daylight savings time and the fallback to daylight savings time. And so this is something that I covered in an earlier episode. We just had our fallback on November 1st this year. And I love it. It's like Christmas to me to get an hour of extra time during the day. Are you kidding? That's amazing. It's, I love it. But, uh, the, and, and also because as I may have said in an earlier episode, or I think one of our experts may have, may have mentioned this, that um, when, when we're kind of left to our own devices as humans, we tend to run on a body, a biorhythm that's slightly longer than 24 hours. And so what that means is if you're not using a clock to kind of set your, an actual clock to set your uh, daily routines, if you were not exposed to any type of external time piece, you would tend to stay up later, sleep a little bit later, stay up later, sleep a little bit later. Your body rhythm would drift off in that direction. So when that happens, fall back when you are setting the clock back an hour, I find is a great time to re, uh, kind of reset. When you're just staying up a little bit later than you want to um, and then sleeping in a little bit later than you want to as a result, which is kind of what tends to happen in my household, 
um, the, the fallback is a great time to reconnect, to reset that. Um, and you get an extra hour uh, to, to get things done. I love it. But if you have young kids who are already struggling, kids who are already waking up at, let's say, five in the morning, which is not uncommon for our toddlers, um, and the clock winds back an hour. So let's think about how that affects them. So when it's 10 p.m., your body thinks it's 11 p.m. If you are trying to get to bed earlier, that's a great thing, right? You're going to feel more tired at 10 p.m. You're actually going to be able to fall asleep where before daylight savings time wound the clock back, you may have struggled to fall asleep at 10. Now your body thinks it's 11, so you're going to fall right to sleep, and that's great. Um, so this is a good thing if that's your situation. When you're on the other side, if you're a toddler, let's say you're a toddler who is waking at five, when the clock says five, because we've fallen back to five, our body clock will think it's six. So your child who's already waking up at five, they are just absolutely raring to go. So if five was their wake up time before, now they may be waking up at 4 a.m. And so that can obviously, you know, that creates a problem. That's not the direction that you want to go with your child's sleep. So that is something that you can correct. And as I mentioned on the daylight savings time episode that I did a couple of weeks ago, it's something that you can work on in advance if that is something that you anticipate being a problem. Um, so if you're in that situation now where you your early bird is still struggling with the daylight savings time fallback, so what's what happens and why that can become a cycle is your child will then be more tired during the day, tired, cranky. You you want a break, they want a break, and then you tend to let them nap longer than they would ordinarily. They have less drive to sleep at night. They're going to struggle with nighttime sleep, and then they're going to continue waking too early. So that's how that becomes an entrenched cycle um, and how it can become something that you struggle with for weeks instead of just a couple days around daylight savings time. So how you can correct this is to, no matter what time your child gets up in the morning, um, just accept that it is going to be a tired day. Watch their nap length and don't allow them to nap longer than an hour per nap if they take multiple naps per day, and 90 minutes to two hours if they are a child who takes one nap per day. This sounds too short. Nobody likes waking their children up from naps, uh, but over many years of working with parents, I have given this advice many times and I stand by it. It works. Your child is not going to sleep all night after napping the day away. It just doesn't happen. Um, the math doesn't work out. So you will need to watch their naps and then resist the temptation to put them to bed too early. Again, they will be tired and you, you just kind of want them to, you know, go to bed sometimes if they're cranky and, and, um, and everyone's exhausted, but resist the urge to put them to bed too early. Put them to bed at the time that you want them to go to bed. If you want them to go to bed at eight, try and keep them up till eight. If seven o'clock is the time your family wants, you know, that's the, that's your family's bedtime for babies and toddlers, then 7 p.m. it is. Resist the urge to make that earlier and experiment with moving it about 15 minutes later, in fact. Um, you can play around with the bedtime until you find a time when your child is falling asleep uh, within a few minutes 
um, and is not resisting bedtime too much. Um, but again, resist the urge to make that too early because that will worsen those early morning wake-ups. So watch nap length and keep bedtime at the time that you would like it to be instead of moving it too early um, if your child is still struggling with daylight savings time. Um, another reason that kids don't sleep well in the winter, and this is a common one, is that they're too hot. We really tend to overbundle our children, particularly if you live in a cold climate. Um, many of us don't like to heat our house too, too much. And so, especially this time of year when the heaters are just kicking on for the first time, or maybe you're building that first fire of the fall, um, your child can get too hot. And this is a health and safety issue as well. Um, for one thing, being too hot increases the risk, or it increases the likelihood that your child will experience a nightmare. Um, it, it increases a poor quality, fragmented sleep, and it makes it more difficult for your body to transition easily between sleep cycles. And so you will see children experience more nightmares when they sleep too hot, when they sleep under a heavy blanket, um, when they sleep with hooded pajamas. In fact, I interviewed a nightmare expert um, who said that sometimes all you need to do to stop a child's nightmare is just remove their socks. And that when he encounters parents who have their kids sleep with socks, that's just an easy fix and one of the first things that he has parents change um, and that it makes a difference in kids' sleep. So resist the urge to overbundle your child unless your child is a very, very active sleeper or a baby who sleeps without blankets. There's really no reason for them to sleep in hooded uh, pajamas. Um, you really don't want them to be too hot and um, being overheated in the crib or bed is also associated with an increased risk of SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome. It is a safety factor as well, and your child's bedroom can quickly, uh, you know, your child's bedroom temperature is not necessarily the temperature in the rest of the house. So if you're looking at your thermostat downstairs and saying, well, it says 68 or 70, so their room should be fine, that's not always the case. Um, in, I know in my home, my bedroom is upstairs directly above our gas fireplace and the heat travels upward and so the rest of the house can be a comfortable temperature when the gas fireplace has been all day my bedroom will be roasting so you're there's of course microclimates throughout the house and your child's bedroom may be a completely different temperature than any other room in the home and so I really highly recommend a small just digital um, thermometer to keep an eye on that temperature it is a health and safety issue it is going to impact the way that your child sleeps they're so inexpensive and it's just um, something that you can keep an eye on. So, so summertime and wintertime. Um, and um, and then the other side of that would be your child may not be sleeping well because they're too cold. That is less common. Um, you, you want your child to be a comfortable temperature, obviously, to sleep. But as parents, we tend to overbundle um, many of our kids until they get old enough to tell us that they are too hot, um, although sometimes they won't. Um, but if your child is too cold, particularly their hands or their feet, they will have a harder time falling to sleep at night. So you want to um, you know, encourage a, a warm bath or shower before bed to allow them some downtime so that their body can naturally cool where they'll be a comfortable temperature, um, keeping their hands and feet you know, comfortably warm in slippers and then, or socks, and then taking those things off before they go to bed. So um, that they can be comfortably warm and that their body can continue the process of cooling, which helps to initiate sleep. 
Um, so don't want to be too hot, don't want to be too cold, and that can be a challenge as we are in a season where our temperatures are changing and your heat may be kicking on for the first time. I think that happened in my house this week, and boy, it was welcome. It was getting cold. Um, another reason might be that they have wintertime allergies or respiratory issues related to indoor air, particularly this year as we are all spending maybe more time indoors. Um, there has been smoke and fire issues in many parts of the country. Um, there are indoor allergens that come into play when we're spending more time inside. Some of us bringing our, our wintertime and holiday decorations out a little bit early this year. So there's a lot of reasons why there might be some respiratory things going on. Um, and so if that is the case, it is a good idea to keep an eye on those things, to bring in a humidifier, if it's something that's safe to do in your space and it's not going to worsen mold or other issues. Um, but keeping an eye on respiratory issues, uh, particularly related to indoor allergies, wintertime allergies, indoor air, that can be something that parents overlook um, when we're transitioning between seasons. Another reason could be that you have changed some aspect of your routine. And I call this routine drift, and it's so common. It's happening in my house all the time. I'm constantly you know, having to think, okay, something has changed. We're not doing, you know, why is this happening? Why are we suddenly having a problem during this part of the day that we didn't used to have? Oh, we're not doing things the way we used to do them. And it's very easy to get off track, especially this year when our routines have been so disrupted by so many things. Um, but it may be that it's dark after dinner time. Your family is no longer going on a walk after dinner. Maybe your child isn't taking a bath every night or a shower because they're not playing outside as much. They're not getting as dirty. They don't feel like they need to take a shower at night every night anymore. Um, maybe, again, it's that your child is not getting as much physical activity as they used to. Maybe everyone is enjoying watching TV together at night now that it's dark outside and, and everyone is piling together on the couch watching shows and your child is getting more screen time, more exposure to evening light than they used to. I mean, there's a lot of ways that our routines change that we don't necessarily realize. And that, of course, impacts our sleep and our children's sleep. So if your child's struggling with bedtime and you don't really know why, it's just a good idea to think about your routine. Think about things that may have changed, things that you may have stopped doing that you were doing before, like taking a walk in the evening, um, having your child take a shower or a bath as part of their evening routine, um, maybe incorporating tea or a restful evening meditation or something that you were doing um, before. Think about bringing that back and thinking about getting your routine back on track. I'm a big advocate of flexible routines, but then I do like to remind people that a routine is only flexible if when you bend it, it bends back. Otherwise it's broken. <laughs> when you bend a stick and it just breaks and it stays bent, then it's broken. If something's flexible, it bends, but then it has to bend back. And that's the hard part, at least for me. Um, so traveling is another thing that can throw off the routine and for kids the it can take a while to come back from that um, some people aren't traveling as much this year some people are 
Um, some people are doing the remote schooling in different locations because they aren't tied to a physical school location. Travel can throw off your routine in many ways. Um, you may be in a different time zone, and I have recorded an episode on helping kids adjust their sleep to time zone travel. So that's something to check out if you're experiencing those issues related to travel. So if you are, even an hour difference can, can impact your child's sleep. Um, if you are struggling to sleep, it's just a good idea to keep an eye on the amount of time that your child is awake during the day and know that that is going to need to stay consistent um, from time zone to time zone, wherever you happen to be traveling. If your child needs eight hours of sleep at night, that means that they need 16 hours of, of awake time during the day in order to feel tired enough to fall asleep at bedtime and to sleep relatively solidly through the night um, for eight hours. And whatever that number is for your child, if they're a younger child, that they need 12 hours total in the 24-hour period, they need those 12 hours awake. So whatever time they wake up in the new time zone, whatever time they're napping, um, all of that needs to be taken into account. And they will not fall asleep usually until they've had enough time awake. That's just the way that our bodies work. They won't have built up enough drive for sleep. So if you're traveling, you're not worrying as much about schedules and routines, know that your body's still keeping track and your body still needs that, and your child's body still needs that time awake. Um, and so if you're struggling, just try to keep track. Um, know that whatever time your child wakes up, that kind of starts the, um, the clock, their body clock ticking. And that if they are a child who needs 10 hours of sleep a night, needs nine hours of sleep a night, needs 11 hours of sleep a night, just do some real easy math and, um, and keep an eye on how much time they need to be awake during the day. That will give you a good idea of when they will be tired enough to sleep. And then of course you can always um, kind of shift that time um, if that's what's needed to work for your family. Um, and then of course the last one would be holiday excitement. Um, holidays are of course exciting, having friends and family over um, maybe your child is staying up later so that they can Zoom or FaceTime with relatives um, over the holidays. Maybe you are getting together. Um, and of course, you know, you're going to let your child stay up and be part of that holiday excitement. Um, one way to keep that from disrupting your child's sleep is just to make sure that in almost any case, um, when your child is up later than normal, um, you don't want to let them sleep more than an hour past their normal wake-up time. And that's, again, it's tough to do. Um, people hate to wake their kids up, um, but that is going to be something that will keep your child's one day of tiredness after a late night from turning into weeks and weeks and weeks of tiredness and grumpiness and crankiness and tantrums and meltdowns. Just wake your child up in the morning and you will deal with one day of perhaps a few yawns and, and a few maybe um, cranky moments, um, but then you'll be back on track. So let your child stay up, let them participate in the holiday magic, let them experience all the fun. And then the next day, just let them sleep in an hour or so at, um, past their normal wake up time, wake them up, go about your normal day, and then put them to bed at their normal time that night and everything will be good. And that keeps 
the holidays happy, healthy, and fun for everyone. So once again, those reasons that they might not be sleeping, they're not getting enough daylight, they're an early bird struggling with daylight savings time, they're too hot, they're too cold. Wintertime allergies or respiratory issues related to indoor air, you change some aspect of your routine, you're traveling, or holiday excitement. Those are the reasons your kid might not be sleeping, and they're all pretty easy to correct. Um, hopefully this has been helpful. Hopefully this is something that can help keep your winter season happy and a little bit more restful. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. If it's helpful to you, please share it with someone who also might find it helpful. I hope you have a great week and I will see you next week. Until then, please sleep well and stay well. Bye-bye. It's the Sleep Well, Stay Well podcast. Now you know. Thanks for checking out the show.